Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends, the Truth Network, for airing this program. And thank you for joining us and listening on another Saturday. I am Tyler. I'm joined by Andy and Jamie. Jamie, how you doing? Hey, Tyler. I am doing wonderful. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Andy, how you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty well. It's a good yeah. week, a busy week. It's another week, and uh, and so here we are. But I'm excited. I'm yeah. so grateful for the opportunity every <laughs> week, honestly. I really do enjoy not only talking to both of you, but I also enjoy the interviews that we have each week. And so wherever you're listening from right now, here Saturday at noon, uh, we're so thankful. We really are grateful for the people who listen in on this program. And I hope that today uh, that you're encouraged and, uh, and yeah, and challenged a little bit, but it's a, uh, it's a good week. Another week, another, yeah. another show. Yeah. And uh, here we go. Another week, another show. Uh, so for our <laughs> listeners, why don't you, uh, in one word, describe your week so far? All right. In one word, describe my week. I would say that that word would have to be the word virtual. Virtual. Yeah, virtual. Uh, I feel I think, like that describes the last four months. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. I think mm. for me, like many people, you know, we're balancing how much stuff are we doing still virtually uh, through different video calls. And like even right now, we're yeah. recording this right now. Uh, we're in three different places right now recording yep. this together. And, uh, you know, once we interview our guests today, they're in a fourth place. So just mm-hmm. trying to figure out life like so many people are about uh, how to navigate this virtual reality that we're in, uh, being online all the time. And at the same time, I think the word virtual is high right now because at, by, at the time of this recording, we're still trying to figure out what schooling is going to look like for both of uh, my kids going back to school. One's going back to college and one's going back to her junior year in high school, and is that going to be fully virtual? Are we going to do the one week in, two weeks out? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then all the ministries we have here at the church. So probably a lot of people listening right now are dealing with the same thing, uh, yeah. dealing with uh, whether you're at work or at home, dealing with your kids, all sorts of stuff. So uh, yeah, I think the word virtual for me is just the world that I'm in. I, I love coming yeah. to church on Sunday because it's my chance to get to see people. Uh, now that we're back, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But, anyways, Jamie, what about you? What's your, what's your one word? And then uh, Tyler, you got to answer that same question too. You can't, oh, yeah. you can't, you can't just yeah. ask the Think question. About- <laughs> and so you oh, got to do that. Put us <laughs> on the spot. Yeah. Well, mine's. Um, I think mine's maybe going to sound a little more fun than that. But I'm going to say swim. The word is swim because we've discovered as a family, you know, throughout all of this. COVID season, how much, or since the pools opened anyway, in the beginning of June, how um, therapeutic just being out at the pool has been for us. And so then this week, the reason I choose that word for this week is we really ramped it up this week. We've gone every night so far this week, as soon as my husband's done with work at five, we're like in the car and hitting the pool. And it's Dang. been, yeah, it's been really, it's been really nice for our family. So. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I think you hit it. Yeah. I think, I think right now, most people are trying to find some source of of normal, like how do mm-hmm. how do we get back to anything? So, like you just said, it it makes you guys yeah. feel like hey, it's kind of a normal summertime thing to go to the pool with your yeah. family, and mm-hmm. I think that's been probably a struggle for a lot of people. Everybody's life has been thrown, you know, really off in a lot of ways, and so how do we hang on to some sort of normality that we can do? And uh, it's challenging for a lot of people. So I'm glad you were able to do that. It's got to feel good. Yeah. To, oh, uh, you know, great. and you're around yep. other people, yep. you know, social distancing, of course, but yeah. you get to see yeah. people outside of your own home, which is, 
<laughs> you get to good. see people that it's are magical. not part of your family. <laughs> yes. And it's nice because, you know, with the swim in the pools, you don't, the mask is not mandated. So you don't see masks. You just see, you know, the chairs are social distanced and you just, it feels like I mean, normal life. That would be dangerous trying to swim with a mask on. Uh, yeah. I don't think <laughs> yeah. that's a good idea at all. No. <laughs> uh, so my, my one word for this week is related to Jamie's, but uh, it's not as, as fun. So for us, our family, we love, uh, kind of at the end of the day, just going on walks, you know, mm. we get Zeke in the stroller, we yeah. get, we get our dog and we go on a nice long walk, but it's been so hot this week. Very hot. So that's, that, that's my word yeah. uh, for this week. It's just been so hot. Uh, so it's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been a great time to, to go to the pool. We haven't been doing yeah. that, but, yeah. uh, yeah, this week it's just been nonstop. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys have felt mm. that way, but it's just been brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yeah. is one of those weeks where Every day I have to stop a few times and think about what day it actually is. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a lot, I think, and you know what, I'm hearing that. It's kind of funny, but I hear that from a lot of people of just, you know, what day is it again today? Because it's, <laughs> you know, working from home or even just a blended working from home or coming to the office sometimes just creates uh, this tunnel vision of work. And, you know, it's, it's hard to maintain what else happening around everybody? You know what's but, been helpful yep. for me? What's that? Is actually is our Crossroads Network. Yes. Live. It really oh, has very, very schedule true. like true. throughout the week because I'm like, okay, what's tonight? Oh, yeah. Then that means uh, it's it's a Wednesday. We've got, you know, kind of Ryan's doing his thing or last night we had deep dive with Daniel. Yep. Um, you know, and yeah. Yeah, that that's really a good point. Uh, so what, what uh, Tyler is referring to for those of you that are listening is, when all this happened, I guess it's been four months now. Really, it's, are we really in the fourth month of this? I think we are. At least. So right, sometime in March. March. Yeah, March. Uh, so what we did immediately as a church, and I saw a lot of churches doing this as well, is we immediately went and said, okay, uh, the writing's on the wall. Everything's going virtual. We already have an online service, but what else can we do to really help mm-hmm. people continue to grow in their discipleship? Because just because we can't meet in the building doesn't mean churches stop or you know, church is canceled, service, it doesn't mean that discipleship is canceled either. So how do we keep engaging people in that? So we put together, as Tyler just said, a way for people to stay connected. You can go to crossroads.org, in fact, and find it right there on the front page. You can find out what all we do. But in a nutshell, we got something pretty much almost every day. Uh, we got different things. Uh, Monday night, I'm doing a conversation about unity and oneness, especially in relation to all of the things going on in our country with racism and hate and and, uh, and all that and the fear. So we're having open conversations about that on Monday. Uh, as you said, we have a deeper dive on Tuesday. We have things Wednesday night. We have a prayer and worship time on Thursday night. Our kids mm-hmm. ministry, student ministry, both do things on Sunday. So we really did try to capture as many people as possible. But, you know, what's great about what we get to do today is get people connected to partners and people that we partner with in the city. And, uh, and so before Jamie introduces who we have, uh, just a little disclaimer, uh, the audio when we recorded the interview is going to be a little off, but just bear with us. It's, it's still good, and you'll be able to hear uh, our guests very well, but just want to make sure people knew that it's not your radio if you, sound, if you hear something that sounds a little off. It was part of the uh, audio recording from our guests. But other than that, we're very grateful to stay connected with our partners. Yeah, absolutely. So the conversation that Andy is talking about was one with Michelle Suffrage. She's the executive director for Refugee Hope Partners here in Raleigh. And it was a really wonderful conversation. So I'm looking forward to you guys hearing it. Let's uh, hear a quick word from our sponsor. And then we'll jump into our conversation with Michelle Suffrage. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question. Are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? 
you are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. Visit c3advantage.net. That's c3advantage.net. All right, and we are back from the break, and we have a very special guest with us from Refugee Hope Partners. We have Michelle Suffrage on the episode today. Michelle, thank you so much for taking time and being here on the program with us. Thanks for having me, Andy. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm real excited to talk about Refugee Hope Partners. Uh, What I know about it and what we've been a part of before is really exciting. And I know uh, you've got a lot of uh, great stuff to tell us about. But before we do that, how about we just get to know Michelle a little bit? So a little bit just about yourself, what you want to share and, and really, you know, kind of your, your, your path and journey into Refugee Hope Partners. So take it from here, Michelle, and just introduce yourself to everybody listening and uh, how you got involved with Refugee Hope. Yeah, so it's an exciting story, actually, I feel like for me, I feel like I'm an accidental executive director for sure. Um, (laughs) I am a mom of five. I have five children. Uh, Now they're 28 down to 15. Um, But my beginnings with refugee, with working with refugees in general was when a refugee family just walked up the hill to my church one Sunday. Um, And they had just arrived from a refugee camp in Thailand, just resettling into Raleigh. We had just come home from adopting our youngest son from Guatemala, and God was doing a work in my heart about what my responsibility, what my role was, how God wanted to use me uh, as a mom uh, with a lot of kids, but also with, um, you know, a calling and our community to do more than just inside the walls of my of my home. And so I was kind of, God was working uh, on me. I was struggling with what that looked like when this family walked up the hill to our church. Uh, I was immediately drawn to them um, just because they looked different and I was trying to understand. I didn't even know what a refugee was. But in pushing and, and moving toward them and trying to figure out how to walk alongside them as they resettled here, the process overwhelmed me uh, just as being a mom and uh, having children in the home, but then also that one family soon became connected with several other families that were arriving um, right around the same time, which became 10 families, which became 15 families, and uh, we were just trying to walk, trying to figure out how to do this well in a way that was sustainable, that was encouraging to the families we were that we were walking alongside, but was also uh, a manageable thing for us to do as a church, and so that's kind of my beginning. Uh, and that's been 13 years, 13 years ago this month, actually, that that, uh, that, that happened. Wow. And so uh, I guess just to understand the story. So did you and was it your church or you and your family? Did you all create Refugee Hope Partners? Is that something or was it already established? So, no. So it's uh, Refugee Hope Partners has really only existed as an organization for about two and a half years. Oh, okay. The framework has been around, uh, like I said, for 13 and it's been an organic development developing, organically developing ministry, and that several churches from the beginning were involved in several different ways in this community that at the time was maybe 20% refugee, Cedar Point Apartments, which is off um, Sandy Forks near Falls of the Noose. We kind of worked for several years not knowing about each other, becoming familiar with each other, 
realizing we both had similar callings, similar work we were doing. And um, through several different encounters, just realized, hey, we need to be talking as believers coming from different churches in the community. Let's partner together so that we're not working against each other, but we're working together and amplifying what we're doing in the community. And so that is how kind of the organization of Refugee Hope Partners started to evolve, but that was over a long, long period of time. Um, at one point, we were under New Life Camp as one of their programs. We, they've always been a strong partner of ours. And about two and a half years ago, and over this time, the refugee community had grown in that particular complex from 20% to 40% to 70%. And our team was getting bigger. The number of churches that were partnering was getting bigger. And so the decision was made to kind of come out from under New Life Camp, continuing partnering with them as we've always done, but to form um, a nonprofit that could really our, our vision is to um, serve the refugee community with the hope of the gospel and partnership with the local church. So we want to be a, a framework in which churches can partner together in that community. And, it, and our um, population has really grown outside the walls of that community to other parts of Raleigh at this point. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've noticed by talking to a lot of our area partners over the last 20-something weeks that we've been doing these interviews for the radio is how when people create ministry out of passion, uh, something that God just put into their heart, whether, as you said, I like your title, the accidental, you know, uh, kind of CEO there of, of that. But there's something awesome about connecting our passion to an actual ministry that we're doing. And uh, I, get, I travel quite a bit throughout the year, and I can't imagine having to uproot my family and moving to another country where maybe I don't speak the language and I don't really know anybody there and then trying to get settled there and trying to find ways to get help and, uh, you know, just try to find guidance. And, you know, people come to our country for all different reasons across the board. And so your vision of connecting them and connecting them to the local church, uh, what is it that you've found has been the biggest need as you're ministering and your ministry is ministering to refugees? What has been some of the biggest needs that just keep coming up over and over again with these people, individuals, and families that you're talking with? That's a great question. I think, you know, part of our methodology is just our desire to live life alongside these families as neighbors and friends. And so I think having connection, a deep connection with people that can walk, like we really want to partner with them. That word partner is really important to us because we're partnering with the family. We're not trying to pull the family along or create a pathway for the family. We're wanting to partner with them. So I think I would say that is the biggest need, just having a framework of relationship and trust, because as we all know, and especially here in July of 2020, and all the things that are happening that are unsettling to us, you know, our families are walking through COVID and all that, it, it, you know, entails along with being in a completely different place. Right. You know, we have a, we have a high ramp in front of us about even just getting our families connected to what the schools are doing between now and August the 17th. So we, you know, just, just living life. And we do that. I mean, our primary platform is education. That's certainly a huge need in the community, both supporting students, but also working with adults and ESL and other types of um, education. But really, when you boil it all down, it's just relationship, neighbors and friends. And over time, you know, families, they become family. These families become our yeah. family. So, so you mentioned the word partner, that you come alongside and partner with families. Can you give a few examples of 
What does that mean? So for people that really don't know much about the refugee community and what you're trying to do, how exactly do you partner with families in a couple different examples? Yeah, that's a great example. That's a great question. Um, you know, we really follow, some people would be familiar with When Helping Hurts as a kind of a model of ministry. And part of the framework of that philosophy is just respecting the dignity um, of every person that's coming here. So families are arriving here with culture, backgrounds, experiences, and ideas of what how they want their life to go. And so instead of me meeting with someone and, and, and you know, seeing the job that they're working and thinking, goodness gracious, I think that you could be in a better job for yourself. Just because I think that doesn't mean that that family feels like that is a, a, a change that they want right now. Maybe just stability and knowing the people they work with and they figured it out. That supersedes what I might perceive as the bigger need. And so mostly we've learned this lesson the hard way by making a lot of mistakes through the years of assuming things, of trying to uh, kind of pull people toward ideas that maybe we have, but just going in with really listening ears and giving people the chance to voice what's important to them in a given situation. Yeah. So with that, is there, is there, I'm sure you've got a ton of stories or testimonies that you've seen over the years, the last couple of years, and even before that, for the last 13 years for that matter, is there a certain family or story or testimony that really stands out that you could share with us? Yeah, this has been an exciting year for us because one area that we felt like, I mean, really every ministry, every programmatic area has grown organically. Um, through the 13 years that we've been working in the community. Uh, Re- Rebecca Campbell-John, who goes to um, Crossroads Fellowship, yeah. she has headed up our medical ministry. Similar, she had an idea. I think we can do better. Uh, I think we can do more. I think I can get people around this particular need. And she's done an amazing job. Like just the difference between where we were a couple of years ago and where we are now and just meeting medical needs is, is tremendous. But another area that I would also share that's been impactful for us this year is working with kids as they're reaching the end of high school. Mm. That's a big, um, a big transition for all students as they're moving into their junior and senior year, trying to decide what it is that they want to do. Uh, students are very easily derailed. Like I said, I have five. That's a period my own children have really struggled through that time. So it was an area that we felt like we weren't meeting the needs of very well. So um, developed a program to mentor those students. And this year we had finished the program. We had 13 graduates were able to walk with them through the whole process. Uh, Almost all of them are going on to some type of secondary education, but being able to expose them to different career types and even within a type of career, different uh, areas within that field. So like if you're interested in, in nursing, you can be a nurse's aide or you can be a nurse or you can be a nurse anesthetist and exposing them to people that do those jobs to give them a vision of different things that they might be able to do post high school. That's been really impactful for us this year. And of course, high school graduations were derailed um, because of COVID yep. and we were able to have a drive-by graduation ceremony. We were able to do a senior photo shoot and just make a really big deal of that moment. A lot of the kids, they were the first in their family to finish high school. So it was a really, really big deal. And to be able to celebrate it to the level that it was worth was really, really powerful. And families appreciated it so much. And it's a cool thing. To yeah. 
that's got to be such a great thing to see and, and to happen. And, you know, you kind of hit on it a little bit that this season that we are all facing with everything COVID related has really thrown a lot of things off and caused us to reinvent and be inventive and in how to do ministry right now, whether it's a, a organization like yours, whether it's a church or a business, and even just families, like we're all trying to figure out what to do with our kids going back to school right now. And, and you know, all these other families that are here that are trying to figure it out as well. I can't imagine how great it must look and feel to see uh, these success stories happen in the ministry. So with that in mind, I know that things are, are a little off right now. <laughs> it's not going to be this way forever. But the best you can do, what, what's, what's happening now? What's next for Hope Refugee as you look to the rest of the summer and going into fall? And really, what's the biggest need you all are facing right now? Yeah, that's great. I mean, the summer has actually been fantastic for us. Typically Good. in the summer, we have our biggest program that's called Read and Swim, where we kids read for three days during the week. They have, they're held accountable for that. They're, they have a timer. They have to read for a certain amount of time. And if they do that, they're able to swim. Typically, we run 150 kids through that program a day and take about 70 to 80 kids swimming every week doing that. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen this right. summer. So when we met at the beginning of all of this, we've, we've pivoted now several times. Our first pivot was people are losing jobs. Kids are out of school. People are going to need food. We, we met food needs. And then, you know, that was kind of a one size fits all thing. Then we transitioned to, okay, let's dive deep and figure out who actually needs the help going on. And then with not being able to do read and swim, okay, that we can't do that. What can we do? And so we, working within the guidelines that we had and the space that we had, we've been working in small group learning cohorts all summer. We have 15 different cohorts, uh, rising kindergartners through middle school. They were selected by the teachers at the school, the ones that felt like the ones that needed more, um, more help. A lot of our kids did not access online learning at all, or at least effectively. Mm -hmm. And so trying to catch them up a little bit, get them ready. So we have 15 different groups. Um, they each meet twice a week for an hour. They stay together. The teachers that lead them, it's always the same people together. And we've been able, and we're, we're practicing mask wearing. We're practicing social distancing. Our kids are going to be ready uh, to go back to school. We take, take, you know, doing temperatures and hand sanitizer and all the things that they're going to have to do when they go back to school. Right. So with the announcement yesterday of what schools are going to look like and this rotating group of three cohorts, uh, we're working with the schools right now. Like, how can we best support you? I think my best idea right now is when the kids are home doing their online learning, that's when we're going to be the biggest help. And we see that being through learning cohorts in the same way. This has been super effective. The kids are learning well this way. They want to be together and we're providing a safe space for them to be together. So we will be needing volunteers that are willing to step into that. It'll be masks. It'll be following the guidelines that we have available. But we're going to need a lot of manpower to make these cohorts work well. And then also our high school students are going to need a tremendous amount of help. They're a top priority for us because these are really important credits. This is a really important year for them, especially our juniors and seniors that are moving toward finishing high school. How can we walk with them in the best way? So we, um, we've actually been planning even today, trying to get some things down on paper. We have strong partnerships with the schools, and we're just trying to 
trying to get some get some things down so that we have a good plan when start, school starts back on August the seventeenth. Yeah, that that's an excellent plan. And I, I love, wow, I love uh, that that read and swim. Is that what it was called? That's such a great yeah. idea, and I love. Uh, what you're coming up with. So uh, real quickly, as we are out of time, just about uh, how can people actually get involved? So you spelled out the need, which is a great need of volunteers. Can you just direct people uh, in closing how they can actually get plugged in, get involved and contact you all? Yeah. So the best thing right now is to go to our website, which is www.refugeehopepartners.org and sign up for our mailing list on there or send an email to info at refugeepartners.org. And as these plans kind of congeal over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be putting out lots of volunteer opportunities. I think there's going to be opportunities for being on site and working with students. But we also had some opportunities this summer that didn't even involve people setting foot on the property. <laughs> we are cohort groups every two weeks. We had a party and people have provided parties in a box for us that have been a surprise to the teacher and the students. They picked a theme. They packed the box with the fun stuff. We've had a shark party, a luau party, a pirate party, just all kinds of a tropical party, all kinds of fun things. We also did pen pals this summer. We would like to continue that program in the fall where our students are practicing writing letters. Uh, they're passing through us both directions. And so uh, we'll be creating other things along those lines as well. And so just get on the list. We'll start updating as soon as we have some solid plans and, you know, let us know if you have any questions. We would love to. Another another thing, too, is we have um, starting point orientation every few weeks. You can find those on the website as well. And it just kind of gives a kind of a top to bottom overview of Refugee Help Partners and ways that you can get involved. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being on the episode today. And really, truly, thank you for all you're doing. What what a great needed real time uh, ministry to be, I mean, honestly, you're, you're be in the hands and the feet of Jesus to a community that absolutely 100% needs it. So for those of you listening, make sure you contact Refugee Hope Partners. If your church is out there, make sure you look into it as well for partnering with you. And uh, thank you so much again for Michelle for being on the program. Thank you for joining and listening to our program today. And thank you to Crossroads Fellowship and the Truth Network for making this show possible. You can find out more information about Crossroads Fellowship at crossroads.org. If this show has impacted you, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at crossroads.org. Thank you to C3 Advantage for sponsoring this program. We look forward to having you join us on the next show. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net.